station, but we're here for a real education. Welcome to A Real Education. I'm your host, Tim Wick, joined, as always, by my co-host, movie mad scientist, Melissa Kirscher. Blucher! <laughs> that's almost a that spoiler. And uh, we are joined for the second week in a row yes. by, uh, I'm going to call her our movie assistant. Okay, I will take that title. Hunch, hunchbacked assistant. All right. Allison Anderson. Hello, Allison. Welcome Hello. back. Thank you. I'm glad to be back. Well, yeah. And we're going to watch... Young Frankenstein. Young Frankenstein. Young Frankenstein. And you haven't seen it. I haven't seen so it. So this is great. We showed you Blazing Saddles last week. We're showing you Young Frankenstein this week. I'm getting I'm getting all the old classics. All, all the Mel Brooks comedies in yes. a row. So tell us, please, if you would, what you know about Young Frankenstein. I know the title. Yep. I mm-hmm. know it's a Mel Brooks film. Okay. I know Gene Wilder's in it. Okay. That's it. That's Boom! All I got. That's the extent of my knowledge. Oh, this should go very well. <laughs> now, oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> I, think, uh, I think the really uh, kind of interesting thing about this movie that, that probably a lot of people don't realize, uh, Blazing Saddles, the movie that we just watched, mm-hmm. uh, came out in 1974. Yes. Uh, Young Frankenstein Mm -hmm. by Mel Brooks, starring Gene Wilder again, came out in 1974. So both of these movies Mm -hmm. came out in the same year, uh, and they were both very successful. Uh, Blazing Saddles a little more than Young Frankenstein. But nonetheless, so it's kind of interesting because uh, while it is undoubtedly a Mel Brooks film, if you showed somebody these two films back to back and said, oh, they came out within a few months of each other, you'd have a hard time understanding how they got made by basically the same filmmaker because mm-hmm. ah. it is a very different uh, flavor of film okay uh, the same the same humor but it same. is but it it's it's a love letter it's directed okay. it's directed slightly differently okay. yeah where, whereas blazing saddles is this colossal takedown of sorts sure and also a love letter to westerns in its own vicious way <laughs> uh, <laughs> young Frankenstein is is a love letter to okay. a certain era of films right. and, and and to two yeah. films in specific, even. Yes. Uh, but uh, we'll we'll get to that after the break. I think uh, for now, really, the only important thing to remember is uh, this: this completes the trifecta mm-hmm. of Mel Brooks Gene Wilder films. So we've now done. This will be our third Mel Brooks Gene Wilder film. These are the only three films on which the two of them work together: uh, the producers, Blazing Saddles, and Young Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're they're are a lot of other actors that are part of the Mel Brooks stable of performers, but there are also some actors that we only see in this film Mm -hmm. that, well, it, the acting in this film is just choice. That's all I can say. It's so good. It just, every single performance in this film is spot on what it should be. Yeah. Oh, wow. And everybody is just swinging for the fences. Yeah. It just, (laughs) It, it, it's just golden. From I love an, it. From an acting perspective, you just have to enjoy what the hell's going on in this mm-hmm. film. And we'll talk about the cast uh, a lot more after the break. So, uh, honestly, I just want to watch the movie. So, okay. let's, <laughs> let's just shut up and go watch Young Frankenstein. Yes. Let's do that. We'll be back.
to the lumber yard. <laughs> and we are back. We are back. <laughs> many villagers have rioted. Many questionable German accents have been uttered. And we have watched Young Frankenstein or Frankenstein. Frankenstein. I, I always have a difficult time determining that. Actually, I have my own opinions, but we'll get to that later. Uh-huh. First... Allison, yes. you have watched Young Frankenstein I for have. the first time, and we need to know what you thought of the movie. I liked it. I would say um, I would say I didn't love it, okay. but but I did like it. It was cute. It was a cute <laughs> film. I um, I feel like that's it in a nutshell. <laughs> it is. Mm-hmm. It is a cute film. <laughs> Sorry. It is. That's. It's adorable. You want to tweak its cheeks. <laughs> I don't know if I'd go that far. <laughs> all right. Well, I mean, yeah. So, yeah. all right. So, it was a cute film. What did you like the best? Um, <laughs> I liked the the different the different take on the Frankenstein sort of mythology, where you know, um, he still created this monster, but it was you know it was it was generally speaking a nice guy and <laughs> and you know there's a lot of misunderstandings and just sort of the 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 lightening up of the tale. I actually enjoyed that. I thought that was, um, that was kind of a nice touch, you know, taking that original mythology and just, you know, making it simple, making it, (laughs) making it just a misunderstanding. You know, these things happen. If you just sit down and talk it out, everybody can come to an arrangement. If it hadn't been for the Abby normal brain, everything would be fine. (laughs) Well, you know, oddly enough, I, that's actually kind of closer to the book Mm -hmm. than the you know, the original universal horror movies were because, you know, the, the book, the monster is articulate Mm -hmm. and just misunderstood and prone to fits of anger. Uh, But it, it, and it's very much about this monster just not being able to integrate into society and yada, Mm -hmm. yada, yada, yada. So there it's an, it's odd that it's like, Hmm, this movie kind of gets it closer than the original films. That said, this movie, if you're, if you are, it, it works without seeing the original Frankenstein films, but mm-hmm. the, it takes some very specific yeah, I cuts like, at it. Yeah. I feel like if I had, had been a fan of like the Boris Karloff, well, not Boris Karloff, that's fair. No, that is. It is Boris Karloff. Okay. Yep. Boris Karloff. And eventually films. Glenn Strange yeah. and a few other yeah. people. But. I feel like if I'd been a fan of those, mm-hmm. I would have probably enjoyed it more because <laughs> like you said, it it's, it's a love letter to those films mm-hmm. you know so yeah i probably would have it probably would have resonated more but it i didn't dislike it i mean mm-hmm. i i want to be clear about that i did enjoy it it's probably not something i'd go back to you know like on a on a saturday afternoon when i'm looking to watch a movie it's probably not something i'd pull off a shelf and go oh yeah i should watch this again <laughs> you know but i did enjoy it i did laugh i just you know a lot of the a lot of the humor is something I would have enjoyed as a teenager, probably more na- than now. Yeah, there there are a lot of really corny jokes yes, in this movie. Exactly. I mean, yeah, walk I this way. Corny no, joke. no, this way. Try it. Yeah. <laughs> Just not all the time, but you know. But yeah, I did enjoy it. So I don't want to. I don't want to make it sound like I didn't. Mm-hmm. But no, I, I I totally get you. Where where mm-hmm. Blazing Saddles is like, let's stab racism. You know. Yes. <laughs> this is very much. Pleasant. Let's just have some fun. Let's have some fun. <laughs> it's so pleasant. And the, the, but going back to the the references, the specific references, I 
I watched this movie as a kid mm-hmm. way earlier than when I saw the, the the original Frankenstein films. Okay. And I remember this I, – I really love this movie just because, man, when I discovered this one, I don't, I don't know. I may have been eight. Oh, my God. This was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I would have loved it when Walk I was eight. Walk this yeah. way. <laughs> <laughs> what hump? Yeah. The, uh, I can – yeah. I know this movie word for word. Just Damn saying. Your eyes. <laughs> Too late. <laughs> I suggest. It's funnier now. Well, yeah, you can, you can just. I suggest you put on a tie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah I, I can do this all night, listeners. Yes. But, uh, but yeah, the once I saw the original Frankenstein movie. It was like, oh my god! I'm I'm trying hard not to laugh because yeah. the old man's in there, sure. the the inspector is in there. Oh, They're really? just like slightly amped up <laughs> for this. That's like, interesting. The, yeah, it's like some the, of it's from Bride of Frankenstein. It's, it's yeah. There's uh, a lot of Bride there's, of there's a lot of Frankenstein, a lot of Bride of Frankenstein that's sure. in here. Yeah, with Madeline Kahn picking up the streaks in her hair. That's a, yeah. That's a comment on, on is that I got because I've seen images of Bride of Frankenstein. So yeah. it's no, been a while since I've look. watched them. Isn't the Inspector more Bride of Frankenstein? than Frankenstein, yeah. yes. Yeah. So. See, and I didn't I, know that. And and the inspector character was one of those that I was like, what, 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 what is totally, he doing here? He's totally in but, there. But yeah, if, if I had seen the other movies and seen that the character he's based on, it would have made more sense. Well, well, part of it also is Mel Brooks knows Kenneth Mars, and Kenneth Mars, when you throw him into a yeah. Germanic role, that's just what happens. Sure. Yeah, dear listeners, if you remember in The Producers, Kenneth Mars also played a Nazi. <laughs> uh, the, the Nazi writer. He's not, yeah, he's not a Nazi. In, well, I mean, he's not, he's a, he is not a Nazi, he's but he a played... Proto-Nazi he's a proto-Nazi or a post-Nazi, well, it depends on the setting of the film when you Tim, think about it. What? Let's not split hairs on Nazis. Okay. He just got goddamn Nazi. Fine. Here's a quote for the books. Let's Pledge, not split hairs on Nazis. Pledge to Adolf Elizabeth Hitler. Uh, <laughs> long descended from a long line of English queens. Anyway, uh, yeah. So yeah, Kenneth Mars just. On all cylinders as that inspector. The thing that kills me is the monocle over the eye patch. Yeah. That just <laughs> slaughters me every time. The <laughs> fact that he replaces it when it falls off. Yes. <laughs> that he, that he, oh, he just me. he goes yeah. through the, the, the long. And I, it's like, I don't know if that was like written into the script or if he was just like, oh, the monocle fell off. There was a lot of ad-libbing. I need to replace yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. Like the when they're in the dart game and they, they start throwing darts. The the cat going where that thing was Mel Brooks off scene yeah <laughs> just making shit up during yeah. the scene mm-hmm. and oh uh, like uh, uh, Cloris Leachman with offering the string of drinks to yes. Ovaltine that yes. was ad libbed uh, oh and perhaps the greatest one of all the the whole blind man scene that's Gene Hackman. Nice. That is the wow. Gene Hackman. <laughs> he 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 had just been in the conversation, which is a very different movie, but we watched it for this podcast we a long, did. long ago. Wow. Um, fabulous. Also featuring actor, Terry Gar. Also featuring Terry Gar. But uh, Gene Hackman begged his way onto this movie through his tennis partner Gene Wilder, and <laughs> said, "I want to try comedy. Can you give me?" And he was basically. I mean, he gets credits in the the credits uh-huh. in the end, but the very. It's just kind of a passing thing. I this is Gene Hackman. No. Yeah, you, ha- you almost have to be watching for him, and you go, yeah. oh, my God, that is Gene Hackman under the... It, it's yeah. a, totally his voice and everything. But 
the ad lib at the end of the scene was, I was going to make espresso. <laughs> and apparently it just slaughtered the entire crew. <laughs> uh, I love or, good ad lib. Yeah, or the um, the, the comment that um, I could perhaps I could help you with that hump, the what hump thing. Mm-hmm. Marty Feldman during filming of the scenes was just surreptitiously changing the side his hump uh-huh. was on until the cast noticed it. <laughs> and then they just wrote it into the screenplay. Sure. Okay, yeah. Because <laughs> otherwise... Uh, wasn't that hump on the... Wasn't that on the other side? Wasn't yeah, what on wait. the other side? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it it, um, it does help. I And I, I like Melissa, um, the first several times I saw it, I would not seen the original... Uh, Frankenstein films on which it is based. And there is a level of appreciation that one gains upon watching those films. You know, it, it is, it is remarkable. The, the, um, the way it, 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 it is, it's a comedy, but it still really is paying very close attention to the films on which it's based. Mm-hmm. Um, I do. And, I do respect that. That's that's a lot of work. Which is, I mean, one of the reasons that they they filmed it in, in black and white. Which you know, this film's made in 1974. Nothing's mm-hmm. made in black and white in 1974 unless it's on purpose. Sure. Oh yeah, and and Mel Brooks had to battle to get black and white. I'll bet because yeah. yeah, people aren't generally eager to go backwards. Yes. In technology. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. And, and and to the point, um, the uh, Mel Brooks actually discovered that Ken Strickfaden uh, was still alive and living in the Los Angeles area. Dear listeners, Ken Strickfaden was the guy who built the original machinery for the Frankenstein films, the lab machinery, the crazy stuff. Okay. And so Mel Brooks contacted him, and, and all that equipment was still around. Not just there. It, it was in his garage. Oh, wow. It was just being stored in the guy's garage. So yeah, they rented like it from do. him. And and so all that equipment in the laboratories from the original movies. Wow. That's a find. Yeah. That's a rare yeah. thing. Yeah. And, and he had never been credited in the original Frankenstein films. Yeah. And so he got credit. He this got time. credit in Young Frankenstein for providing <laughs> the same equipment that he built <laughs> for those for those films back yeah. way back. In, way way back when way back in the 30s. earlier part of the century wow the i 30s. couldn't remember which decade it was and i was hoping you were going to fill it in and there you did yes <laughs> well done actually you just keep going long enough until yeah. fill it in and there were many of them five times before yeah. five times before which yeah that was also <laughs> which was a reference to this there were five movies in the okay. universal series and all right yeah. There you go. Yeah. yeah. So again, yeah. just just little little yeah. tweaks, little bits like that that they kind of kind of dropped in. Um, now this film, uh, unlike unlike Blazing Saddles, which was co-written by Mel Brooks and several other people, including Richard Pryor, this mm-hmm. film was co-written by Mel Brooks and Gene Wilder. Yep. Uh, and this was the film that Mel Brooks made because Gene Wilder made Blazing Saddles with him. Uh. Mm-hmm. So Gene Wilder was like, "Well, okay." <laughs> I'll do this Blazing Saddles movie if you will do this Young Frankenstein movie. So nice. So that was the the where, where the genesis of the film was, and so um, the two of them worked together to produce the screenplay. Apparently, they had at least one epic argument. Oh yeah, um, <laughs> about the putting on the Ritz scene. Yeah, which oh, uh, Gene that Wa- I enjoyed. Gene Wilder really <laughs> wanted in the film, and Mel Brooks was like, "But there's no equivalent in the original films." Sure. 
And Gene Wilder was like, yeah, but it, it's going to be really, really funny. Mm-hmm. And Mel Brooks was like, but there's no equivalent. <laughs> <laughs> Gene Wilder was like, but it's going to be funny. So anyway, Gene Wilder won. And, and we are yeah. all luckier that he did. Yep. <laughs> um, and, and apparently, I don't know if this was that fight or a different fight, but they got into a roaring fight in Gene Wilder's apartment. And Mel Brooks stormed out. And like 10 minutes later, Gene gets a call. And it was clearly Mel Brooks on the on the other end going, who was that madman in your house? <laughs> I could hear him all the way over here. It was amazing. You shouldn't let crazy people in your house like that. And apparently that was his apology. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's a, okay. Yeah. 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 He yeah, said he know. was sorry after a fashion. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's an acknowledgement of a sort. <laughs> yeah. And so I, and the interesting thing is after this, Gene Wilder and Mel Brooks didn't, work on anything again mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm not sure why because they didn't have a falling out I guess it just you know it, it didn't end up happening yeah um, but there are a lot of other actors in here that we do see in other Mel Brooks films obviously we've got Madeline Kahn Madeline Kahn mm-hmm. appearing Madeline once Kahn. again yes. And, and yes she can sing it's true on key this time <laughs> yeah <laughs> really on key she's yeah. amazing I did miss the uh, speech impediment a little bit She was originally going to be playing Inga. And Terry Garr was going to be playing uh, the fiancé. And eventually, I think it was Madeline Kahn went to Mel Brooks and just said she wanted to play the other part. And Mm -hmm. so Mel Brooks went up to Terry Garr and he goes, okay, if you can come back tomorrow and do a German accent, you've got the other role and, mm-hmm. and she goes well if I do it now doctor <laughs> alright you're it we can save some time <laughs> we can save some time <laughs> so yeah she she apparently uh, Terry Garr had worked on was it the Sonny and Cher comedy hour yes. or whatever it yeah, was yeah you know because and sure. that was a classic in, in which during which time she worked with Cher's hairdresser who well, apparently sure. had the most ludicrous German accent ever and so she just impersonated <laughs> him the entire time or her I, I, I shouldn't say the hairdresser the hairdresser the hairdresser yeah yeah I will impersonate the hairdresser <laughs> roll 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 in the hair maybe that's what the hairdresser said maybe <laughs> it's fun <laughs> yes yeah we are going to roll your hair in the hair roll roll roll, roll, roll in, in the, the hair, hair. <laughs> wow <laughs> Terry Gar's got a decent singing voice as well. Yeah, she does. So, um, yeah, so Terry Gar, again, um, the, and she uh, had mostly been in television mm. comedy. She yes. was in Laughing as well. Or no, that was Goldie Hawn. Yeah. I don't yeah. remember if Terry Gar was in that at all. But yeah, she, she in, did a lot of TV, a lot she, of commercials. Yeah, little, little, the, the variety show yeah. stuff. Yeah, she was also in Close Encounters of the Third Kind, uh, Martin Scorsese's After Hours. Uh, yeah. Tootsie, she's great in Tootsie. Oh yeah, <laughs> she's so great in Tootsie. Yeah, she is. She's great in a lot of things. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, Cloris Leachman is another actress who then will appear in a bunch of other Mel Brooks films. Oh my God, and and so many other things. I, I hadn't love... recognized her watching the film, and I, rec- you know, when I saw her come on on the screen, I knew she was somebody I'd seen before, but I didn't know who. So thank you for telling me that was Cloris Leachman. <laughs> yeah, that is Cloris Leachman. <laughs> Stay close to the candles. <laughs> the staircase. <laughs> 
can be treacherous. <laughs> I mean, it looks like it. There's no railing. The candles aren't lit. <laughs> <laughs> I know the candles. The candles aren't lit. But they lit. provide safety anyway. There's a lot of there's a lot of visual gags in the movie that are just like subtly there for a moment. You know, the the yeah. whole stay close to the candles, but the candles aren't lit, and nobody says. But wait, wait, wait. What? The candles. What? Yeah. The candles it aren't lit. Have to. Or there's that whole dart game, and then at the end. There's just a dart in the hat of the guy holding the door. Yeah, and three in the in and the three wheel. In, three in each wheel, and we, and there are darts in the spare. Yes, there are, there are, there are well, darts everywhere on that car. I can't tell you how many I've seen this movie a lot of times, sure. and something I saw this time that I had never registered to me was when Gene Wilder. Is in the boudoir with uh, with Madeline Kahn, and she's and he's going, oh no, the the creature has escaped, and she's like, oh dear, don't worry. He's like laying across her lap, holding her mirror for her, mm-hmm. and and she's like lightly adjusting it so she can continue like sure. doing her makeup and hair, and that's just something that. I I don't know. It, <laughs> I never noticed before. Sure. Another another thing that I noticed this time, and it's minor, and it, I just think it's hilarious, is the fact that uh, the inspector puts out his hand in in that mug of beer. Yes. yes. And when he flips it back up, the foam from the beer goes, <laughs> goes flying all over the place. And I was like, oh, that's so great. It was really beer. <laughs> uh, or or something that functioned. Yeah. Much like beer would function if you were to put your yes. finger out <laughs> yes. in it. It it <laughs> anyway, I, I just enjoy a lot of the the visual the visual gaggery. Even yeah. some of it that's so dumb, like when the, the villagers are walking through the forest and one of them just bumps into a tree. <laughs> and again, if you watch the original Frankenstein movies, there are shots of villagers walking through forests that look just a like lot that. like Wow. What you see in this movie, yeah. the 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 cinematography is so spot on, like yeah. really, really spot on. It it's just amazing. Wow, it's so well done. That is impressive. It kind of makes me want to watch one of those older films and then come back and watch this again just to see, you know, just to just to be able to enjoy the testimony to the earlier films that I can't get because I haven't seen them. They are worth watching, at least the first two. Sure. Yeah, like Frankenstein the first... and Bride of Frankenstein. Yeah. Which Bride of Frankenstein is actually better. Oh, okay. Bride of Frankenstein uh, is so good. But, but you all, I mean, it's not that you can't get Bride of Frankenstein without watching Frankenstein, but they almost function as a single film. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so I, I would say... You're better off watching both mm-hmm. than watching Just Bride of Frankenstein, even though it is much better as a film. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, you watch it and you you see how they work so hard on on shooting the film in in a very similar way, and how the sets are made to match a lot of what they did mm-hmm. in that in those earlier films. And you know, you have to think in the 1970s. Uh-huh. Uh, a lot of people had seen, you know, it, it, Saturday morning television yeah. is where, heck, a lot of people around that time were were getting their, were getting their introductions to classic film. Yeah, they were in heavy rotation. Yeah, so a lot of people would would be familiar 
with the universal horror movies. And it's okay. not even just the Frankenstein movies. It's the look of those universal horror movies. So okay. Wolfman and, and, and Dracula and, and the mummy, uh-huh. uh, all of those movies had a look to them. Mm-hmm. And even though this the young Frankenstein is specifically aping the look of the Frankenstein films, it, it also really has a lot a lot of its DNA in common with those other movies. So it has a lot of Wolfman in it. Yeah. In particular. So yeah. the audience would would recognize that. The nineteen seventy four yeah. audience would would be familiar with it. Sure. When they're watching it and then they would see how, you know, they, they take that inspector character from Bride of Frankenstein and and kind of turn him up to eleven. <laughs> uh and and they would they would they would get that that humor. Or the blind man scene, which it's so it's <laughs> the blind man scene is so close to the blind man scene from Frankenstein. That's the really? thing. Yeah, it, it's, it's just, ridiculous. There's a few minor tweaks that turn it from being a really beautiful scene where the monster finally is understood for a short while uh-huh. to a ridiculously funny scene. Yes, mm-hmm. um, I'm guessing those tweaks came largely in the uh, areas of the the. Spilled soup and largely yes. at the, largely at the yes. expense of Peter Boyle. We should yes. talk about Peter Boyle. <laughs> oh, we should because Peter Boyle played the monster. He did. Yes, in he did. this film, he did. Uh, and he is—he's uh, really—he does an excellent job. Mm-hmm. He's magnificent. Well, everybody in this, yeah, I mean that's what I say. This is an acting. This is an actor's film. The, yeah. the performances yeah. here, because. Um, Except for Marty Feldman, and it works for him. <laughs> and we have to talk about Marty Feldman. In a oh, little bit. we will. But oh, I will. The, I mean, one of the secrets of of making good comedy is nobody in the film should know they're in a comedy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They all take it very seriously. So everybody in this film takes what they're doing deadly serious, except for Marty Feldman. Yes. Who is clearly aware that he's in a comedy, and somehow it works. Yes. <laughs> well, really, you um, look at he... Marty Feldman and he. <laughs> He's well, aware he's in a film, first of all. The rest of them aren't aware yeah, in a yes, film yes. either. <laughs> yeah. Well, there there are several fourth wall bla- breaking moments. Like there sure. there are a couple of knowing looks at the camera made by the monster. And, and yeah, yeah, it, it occasionally happens, but yeah, definitely Marty Feldman is the. Yep. Uh, Oh, I don't know. He's the ambush bug of this. Relationship. <laughs> <laughs> the- I'm sorry, anybody who doesn't read comics. He's the Greek chorus. Of yeah, this. he's the Greek chorus. <laughs> <laughs> so um, he knows so he's yeah. Peter Boyle. Mm-hmm. What what can you tell us about Peter Boyle, Melissa? Well, he was in Everybody Loves Raymond, which mm-hmm. uh, he was, which is something I never watched. So Many I really years can't later, spe- I can't in, speak to. But he yeah. he he was apparently like the only person who did win an Emmy out of that cast, and he was in a bazillion episodes of it. So, uh, but he was also in stuff like Monster, Monsters Ball and and a lot of things through the eighties and seventies. He he's he was only quote. Only six foot two, but built like a refrigerator. And of course, he's wearing mm-hmm. enormous platform shoes sure. in this in this movie. So he just looks like this Hulk. Mm-hmm. He's just he he just looked like a, a Hulk in most movies, <laughs> even when he wasn't launched up on platform shoes. Sure, um, a seven something foot tall, fifty four inch wide, wide gorilla. gorilla. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what you're trying to tell me? <laughs> yeah, he he got some traction on on stage first. He was um, in the uh, Odd Couple 
when it was off Broadway. I think he was in the touring cast. And I bet he played Oscar. Yeah, I, if he played I one of the odd couple, remember. he probably played one of the friends. Now that I think about yeah, it, he was he was also in Second City, uh, mm. the the famous Second City. Uh, the second city. The second city. The second Would that city. be the second city from Chicago? <laughs> anyway, that yes. one. That one. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he started getting into films in the very early seventies, if I remember right. One of his big early roles was a movie called Joe, where he starred as this violent, angry, awful bigot, and it was oh. one of those kind of weird weird movies that uh, appealed to conservatives and they cheered the role and he was just horrified. Yeah. He, he did not uh. like how how that role was perceived and so he really avoided roles that glamorized violence after that. And he apparently was a super sweet guy. I mean, he yeah. plays kind of an old crank on Everybody Loves Raymond as well, mm-hmm. but was a super sweet guy. In Monster's Ball, he actually played an old bigot as well. Yeah, yeah. Poor guy. <laughs> And he played it really well. Yeah, he, he's a, he was a good actor. Yeah, and and just just kind of this big lovable guy in in real person. Uh, he was married to a woman named Lorraine, who is a Rolling Stone reporter, who is a friend of Yoko Ono, which is how he met John Lennon and became besties with John Lennon. <laughs> John Lennon was actually the best man at their wedding. Wow. Uh, but also, John Lennon it, does not have a cameo. No, he In does this not. Film. He does not. There's no cameo no. by John Lennon. Sorry. Darn it all. And uh, yeah, just a very long career. Uh, he passed away in 2006. Um, at age 71, he had bone cancer, which yeah. is awful. Well, you know, given and, the size of his bones. Yeah, yeah, that that was a lot of cancer. The cancer, the cancer was like, oh, this is an easy spot. Yeah, wow, look at all this space. Look at all this. We can we can stretch out and really get. This is like a penthouse apartment up here. Oh, God. oh my God, this is awful. Most of this cast is dead, by the way. I've got so many death stories here. Yeah, Gene, Gene Wilder, uh, Cloris Leachman's still alive. Cloris Leachman is still alive and still working. Yeah. Yeah, she's she, for her. She is, she's the Betty White of Mel Brooks films. She is ninety-two <laughs> years old and still going. She's amazing. I want somebody to tell her she's the Betty White of Mel Brooks films, completely out of context of any other discussion. Just hey, you're the Betty White of Mel Brooks films. She'd Just probably to get see it. How she says. Yes. Uh, Mel Brooks, I believe, is also ninety-two and also. <laughs> Still working. He is still working. So he's still. I've heard him in recent interviews, and he's dynamite. (laughs) Apparently, he'll just talk to anybody. It's great. Gene Wilder (laughs) passed away not too long ago. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Was it last year or just a couple of years ago? It was a couple of years ago. Yeah. Madeline Kahn passed away around the same same time Mm -hmm. uh, as a little earlier than than Peter Boyle. Yeah. So. Well, yeah, it was we just sad. brought everybody down. Yep. Yeah. But now the good news sad. is they were all in Young Frankenstein, which means we know <laughs> they can be reanimated. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Proof. Although, if that really could happen, why they didn't do that with Madeline Kahn immediately is beyond <laughs> me. Well, maybe Cloris Leachman is just not quite ready to move on to a second career yet. Oh, mm. that could be. That could that be. Could be. She's still doing just fine with her first one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To speak the plain truth. Well, yeah. yeah. Uh, who else have we not uh, talked about as as performers? You know, we talked about Gene Hackman. He's not yeah. dead, but he stopped acting. 
Yeah, he's retired like eight times. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he hasn't been in a film in like five, six years. We haven't talked about Marty Feldman yet. We haven't who talked is also about dead. who he is dead. Oh, he's quite dead. Marty he's Feldman. Dead. He's very dead. Damn your eyes! just a little dead. Yeah, he's extremely he's quite dead. dead. I think he was the first of the cast. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, he, he died passed away young. in the 80s, didn't he? Yeah, 82. Yeah. Yeah, he died very young. So... Oh, did he have a tragic death? He did. Yes. Okay. Wow. Well, I'll back You're up. Really a little. excited about that. We do that. You're on, <laughs> yes. you're on a real education. He's, he's, tragic deaths are one of our bread and butter. It's, it's okay. my specialty. It's my specialty. <laughs> so here's Marty Feldman, writer and actor. Um, he he started out. Let's see. He grew up very poor. He uh, grew up in London. He left school at age 15, hoping for a career in jazz mu- music, which he was apparently terrible at. Oh dear. But eventually he went into comedy, and one of his bigger breaks was a TV show he was on called At Last, the 1948 Show, which was produced by David Frost, who was kind of a big <laughs> thing in TV production at the time. And uh, his, his co-workers on At Last, the 1948 Show were John Cleese, Graham mm-hmm. Chapman, a couple uh, visits from Eric Idle. There were wow. animations by Terry Gilliam. Huh. Wow. And about concurrently <laughs> at the same time, there was another TV show called Do Not Adjust Your Set that featured Terry Jones, Eric Idle, Michael Palin, and Neil Innes of the Bonzo Dog Doodah Band. Wow. So between these two TV shows, they were kept trading writers and actors between mm-hmm. each other, and then eventually Monty Python happened. Sure. So they kind of got mashed together and Marty uh, Feldman went off and did his own thing shortly afterward he had his own TV show called Marty and then I think he had a couple other iterations of it Mm -hmm. but kind of you know sketch comedy and stuff like that Um, one of the most famous things that he wrote for at last the 1948 show is actually known as a Python script now it's a four Yorkshireman sketch which is the four guys sitting around at the table. I lived in a shoebox in the middle of the road trying to one-up each other about sure. how poor they grew up. Yeah. Yeah. If uh-huh. I remember right, Marty Feldman had a hand in that. Yeah. Anyway, um, he, he was in... Star- he had a very notable look to him. <laughs> he, his nose, Damn your eyes! His, his nose was the fault of a boxing match. That's a story I'd like to know about. And his eyes were due to a thyroid condition and a botched operation after a car accident he had when he was Ooh, 30. And wow. so um, I think it was his wife who told him, no, really, your face is your ticket to comedy. And yeah. so he started banking on it. And so he did a lot of comedy through the 70s. And eventually he was on a movie called Yellowbeard, which he was on. Yeah on with, like, half the cast of Monty Python. Sure. It's not a movie we'll be doing on Real Education. No, because it's fucking terrible. Yeah, it's just awful. It's really terrible. It's so bad. (laughs) So many talented people gave up so much to produce so little. Including Marty Feldman, because they were filming Mexico City, and Feldman had a bad batch of shellfish. Ooh. And then... The food poisoning caused a massive heart attack, and he died in Mexico City while filming Yellowbeard. Wow. He was 48 years old. That's right. Wow. Monty Python killed Marty Feldman. Yellowbeard. Yeah, but it was Monty Python people. I I mean, it's it's It wasn't all of them. It was enough... He was, he was more than half. Are you saying there was a quorum of Monty yes. Python and Yellowbeard? Yes. <laughs> a death quorum? Yes. Conspired? They were like, they were like 
TikTok. We're taking down Marty Feldman, boys. <laughs> oh my god! Somebody get this, this shelf. The dark, oh my god! The dark underbelly of Monty Python. We do have to do a Monty Python film. We haven't done one yet, have we? <laughs> yeah. I don't think we did Holy Grail, did we? No. Because oh my about god, it. you'd never get me to shut up. I know. I know. What's <laughs> how is that different from any other podcast? We're doing. <laughs> no, no. You have no idea, Tim. Okay. Well, we're going to do that eventually. I have a story about that, too. You would release the beast. So, uh, I, I have so many stories. Oh so, Blazing Saddles. I do have my Blazing Saddles made-for-TV moment. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I had my Blazing Saddles made-for-TV moment. Young Frankenstein. They didn't do near as much to alter it t- for TV. No, they didn't mm-hmm. need to. But the one thing that I thought was very strange is there's the line when they're talking about how big he has to be, and mm-hmm. Terry Gar says, he would have an enormous Schwanzstocker. Mm-hmm. Yes. Now, I don't speak German, so maybe she did say he would have an enormous penis. <laughs> I, I don't know that it really matters, because it's in German, sure. but they changed it, so he, oh, she no. says, he would have an enormous personality. <laughs> <laughs> That's, um, wow. That is the best euphemism. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to use that. And then, and, then, and then you've got Gene Wall. It goes without saying. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, then she says, popular. and then she says, woof. <laughs> 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 Which in this movie is Mel Brooks for, look at that gigantic penis. <laughs> <laughs> woof. <laughs> Used more than once, but that's what it always but means. That's okay. <laughs> that's okay. Have we covered any? I, I mean, I think we've covered most of the cast. I'm trying to remember if there's anybody that we haven't talked through because it, I mean, it's just kind of it's kind of amazing when you talk about the top, the top tier of yeah. of the performers well, there, in this there film. There isn't much else. I mean, yeah. it's that that group of actors is fairly tight, and there's not much many other people in the no. cast. No, I mean they're extras. Then you're, yeah, then you're getting down to the level of extras. To, yeah, to pitchforks and <laughs> yeah. and little girls being vaulted <laughs> off of seesaws. Yes, <laughs> right into Which bed. Is conveniently enough, also in the Frankenstein movie. <laughs> Except things don't work out quite as well for oh, the little girl. Okay. Yeah, things don't end as happily for that one. Yeah, she doesn't sail in through her bedroom. That's why, and that that is um, uh, again from the original book. Yeah, the the story about the little girl and the monster, the creature. Yeah, the monster cannot yeah. tell the the girl from the flower, and so he thinks since the flower petals are going into the uh, river, he throws the girl into, and the girl drowns. And the flower, sure, he yeah. thinks because the flower petals can float, that the girl can float. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. He, you know, it, it is, it's an honest mistake. Yes, <laughs> I, I read, I've, I've done it many times. Yeah, right. It happens to me all the time. <laughs> I read the book once, but that was way back, and I don't remember anything. It's a terrible fucking book. Yeah. (laughs) uh, Okay, Mary Shelley, I love you. I love everything that Frankenstein gave, not the, everything the novel Frankenstein gave to the world. It is arguably the first modern horror story, all those things. It's a terrible read. (laughs) I've yeah, only slogged it for, through it once. I've read it for some English class, and I just, I, you know, I did enough to do the homework and get uh, past the test, and then I don't remember anything anymore. It, so. it is yeah. a difficult read. Yeah. <laughs> In high school, I did but, make my own version of Frankenstein for English class with a video camera and my... Uh, what was it? Three-year-old brother's toys? Mm-hmm. No, he was a little old. Toys. I used my little brother's toys. Like mm-hmm. there was the the like the Fisher Price boat that I put in the 
in the bathtub with a bunch of ice cubes, and that mm-hmm. was the boat sailing through the Arctic where they pick up. Yeah. Right. Anyway, they, anyway, they, they, uh, that's yeah, a diversion. They pick up Frankenstein, and then the creature <sighs> yeah. shows up, and everybody dies. It was not nearly as good as Young Frankenstein. <laughs> it's a, it, uh, the, 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 the story itself, mm-hmm. the original story, is super, super dark. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, the the universal the universal movies brighten things up yes. believe it or not <laughs> because because the creature does some serious awful killing mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. retaliation sure because Frankenstein is frankly horrible yeah yeah he he in 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 the original book uh Frankenstein creates and and in the movie but and not not quite as much. But in the in the book, you know, Frankenstein makes this creature and he doesn't think about what he's doing. And then when he sees the creature that he's created, mm-hmm. he immediately shuns it. Mm-hmm. He immediately turns it away mm-hmm. and turns it out. And and then you've got the creature and Frankenstein basically locked in a battle mm-hmm. where Frankenstein's trying to destroy the creature and the creature is Getting his revenge on Frankenstein by killing everybody Frankenstein cares about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and it is, uh, it, like I say, super dark. And yeah. yeah, you know, spoilers. But it starts, you know, with <laughs> Frankenstein being picked up by this by this boat mm-hmm. in the Arctic, and the boat is trapped in the Arctic ice because they didn't get out before it froze over. Mm-hmm. And Frankenstein is on the boat, and he's ill. And he's yep. dying, and he tells this story about the creature. And at the end of the story, the creature shows up, and Frankenstein dies, and the creature shows up, and he takes Frankenstein with him, mm-hmm. uh-huh. uh, and theoretically dies on the ice in the Arctic. But everybody on the boat dies too. Mm-hmm. So this is all like taken from the captain's log later. I mean, it's super <laughs> dark. Yeah. It's yeah. Like everybody dies. Life uh, was cheap back then. Life was cheap back then. <laughs> and in this movie... Well, because of, that, of inflation. You in know, this movie, mm-hmm. none of that happens. A little girl, she ends up in bed. She yeah. doesn't get yeah. tossed into the river and sink. <laughs> it doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. It doesn't happen that way. So, I mean, all things considered... And everybody, you know, winds up with the right spouse at the end. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I, well, That's, the well, creature might be the only one who... Well, you know. Yeah. Well, they, they all seem happier. <laughs> she definitely does. They and all I think, do. Yeah, I, I, the creature helped her loosen up a little bit. It's interesting watching this movie. I got to that scene and I was like, "Oh, here it's kind of rapey." Here comes that rapey yeah. scene. Yeah, and they and it's like they kind of realized mm-hmm. that it was a little rapey and tried to find ways to, because she never actually says no, which I'll give them credit for. Mm-hmm. But. But as she, we know, but, that's, but she did not. She doesn't say yes. It's not enthusiastic consent. This is a 1974 interpretation of how yes. do we make it not rape? Yeah, not a, <laughs> not 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 necessarily what we should say. Call a correct interpretation. Yeah. Uh, no. But I mean, it's it's interesting watching that scene now because I'm like, oh, here we come to this, the, mm, and it's yeah. it's not quite as awful as I remembered mm-hmm. which doesn't mean it's great no. it's not as it's not as awful as the french mistake okay uh, yeah. <laughs> in terms of not not quite getting it right yeah um but it does 
there's this implication that if she wanted to, she could run away and she chooses not to. That's what I think they're trying to do. Yeah. Doesn't mean they completely nail it. No. But. Yeah, I could see where they were making that effort. Yeah. I could, I could, yeah. Well, it's that really uncomfortable thing where, oh, but she likes it. Yes. Right. Oh, yeah, that that's, excuse. That's the other. That's, that's the where other. we in that's 2018 where... just cringe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is a problem. But at least. At least they did make an effort. We'll give them yeah. that. At least. Yeah. Reluctantly. At least yeah. it seems like they thought about it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it is the moment of the film that I think is the most problematic. Mm-hmm. Oh, I agree with that. Yeah. Uh, because it really it gets it gets awful close. I mean, at least they use the revised lyrics for putting on the Ritz. It's not yeah, not the, the racist original, ones, not the racist <laughs> lyrics. <laughs> um, and I, the, there is there is yeah the, that, that that was it Irving Berlin. I think that's yeah right. Ir- Irving Berlin. I think it was in 1946 he wrote putting the putting on the Ritz mm-hmm. lyrics so that they're less. <laughs> and there is there, there is the that that scene could be conceived to wander into ableism. Yeah, I agree with that too. Which I don't know was the intent. It was more that the creature isn't very good at speaking. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it wasn't I think it's really easy <clears throat> to look at that and I think some people interpreted it as the time at the time probably as making fun of the speech panners yeah. of somebody with a mental handicap. Yeah, but the the movie is I mean the this one it's an it's an interesting discussion to get into I'll give it that but mm-hmm. I think the we can mostly get, get quote get away with it because the movie has well the the humor does come from the yeah. creature not speaking the lines very well yeah. the entire scene is built around look this Look this being is capable. This yeah. is this is this is a capable being, and I'm trying to show the world yeah. that he's beautiful and should be loved. You and could, he's been you, taught a lot in a relatively short amount yes, of time. Yes, yeah, absolutely. You could make the argument that the speech impediment is less about mocking um, people with disabilities as it is about mocking a de- developmental stage in children, like. Yeah. You know, toddlers not being able to speak very well. Yeah, because we laugh at toddlers. And we do. That. We think it's hilarious. Toddlers mispronounce something. We think it's adorable. Mm-hmm. So. I, th- I think that is more the intent there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, and uh, I know that that, again, that was an ad lib. Because yeah, they yeah. really didn't know what the creature was going to say. <laughs> and that was Peter Boyle going, That was going, Peter Boyle. Bring out a ring! Yeah. Like, yeah. All right, there you go. That's, yeah. that's, that's, what it's, that's what the creature should it, sound like. It definitely hit me more as toddler than yeah. developmentally yeah. disabled adult. Yeah. Yeah. It, it did. Uh, it, it always had for me, too. But, mm-hmm. you know, when you're, when you're talking in the lens of 2018 and you watch that scene, you ask yourself that question. You know, sure. what was the in, What was the intent? Yeah. It doesn't... I don't think the intent was to be ableist. No. Um, you know, and I don't even, I mean, in 1974, again, I don't know that they even thought about such things nearly as much. But well, hell, sure. we probably didn't think about those things much five years ago. True. Yeah. But I, looking back at it now, you go, I don't think that's where they were going with that. No. Yeah. I don't think they were trying to make fun of people with a handicap. Yeah. They were trying to make fun of how that creature would speak sure yeah and it was you know i mean he had just been reanimated the fact that he was moving and tucking at all was right impressive yeah. well and, the other and, it, thing and is his it, tap was his tap good. was on <laughs> yeah. point man the other thing is that it's the comedy of 
expectation. Mm-hmm. Up, you know, up until that point, the creature hasn't said anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's actually been dancing and looking, you know, mm-hmm. not bad. I mean, not, not great, but he can, he, he can yeah, dance he can better than better than I can so yeah. uh, he's ahead of Tim so when, when we look to well. see him when we look to see him say something the first time we anticipate mm-hmm. that it's going to sound pretty good mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then it doesn't and that's that's the it's the like comedy. okay and then you just kind of go okay well he put all of his time into teaching him how to dance and he didn't put so much time into teaching him how to speak that's coming later that's, yeah that's Day's Step lesson. phase two. Yes, phase exactly. Two. Well, then, and, and the the expectation is set up by the music itself because mm-hmm. you've got mm-hmm. the the regular lyrics. You know the song. You know the song, and then put it on the ritz. Yeah. yeah, it's funny. Yeah, it is. It's funny, and I I actually did not find that to be very harmful at all. I I can see where you know people would want to think about that a little bit, but. As we've just discussed, I actually think that was very innocently arrived yeah. at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's interesting <laughs> watching these movies, especially comedies, mm-hmm. period comedies, um, and and I think the 1970s is a is a tremendously problematic period. Oh, oh there's a lot of stuff, and we will get to Airplane, which is a oh, oh my god, Airplane, <laughs> which is which is a hilariously funny movie, but. Wow. Yes. Wow. Does it yes. make some what we would consider in modern context horrific missteps? Uh, Although I do like Gene Cleaver's speaking jive, I got to admit that. that oh, even Gene if that Cleaver is a speaking jive, even if that is a misstep, but um, it's a terrible misstep. And yet it's like so now you're beautiful. like, oh god, oh god, it's a terrible um, misstep that's beautifully done. Yes. <laughs> So we are getting close to the point of final thoughts, but Melissa, I know we've covered a lot. We haven't specifically gone to the Melissa trivia section because we've sort of been spewing trivia throughout. But is there is there anything that that's important that we have not yet discussed? I feel the need to talk about Cloris Leachman. Oh, Cloris Leachman! Let's talk about Cloris Leachman is amazing. She is because she's been working forever. She's she was, been in a lot of Mel Brooks films. Yeah. And and uh, The Last Picture Show, and she was in Malcolm in the Middle. She was a voice in The Iron Giant. She was Granny in the Beverly Hills Billies movie. <laughs> uh, Which was not her fault. Of course, that, that, <laughs> no, was it wasn't. She, it was a job. <laughs> Recently, she was in American Gods. Yeah. And wow. uh, The Facts of Life, of course. Yes. Uh Let's see. She was on Dancing with the Stars at she age eighty two. She did pretty well too. Yeah. I think she's still like their oldest contender. And yeah. 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 I, <laughs> but anyway. I she, mean, she didn't last to the end because there was probably a figure skater or, or something. Or a football player. But go Cloris Leach. Yeah. Uh she she's was an bo- impressive lady. She was born in Des Moines. Uh she was Miss Chicago of nineteen forty six. What? Like in the Miss America running. Like she, she was Miss Chicago. Um, she debuted in films in 1952. In Kiss Me Deadly is the <laughs> the doomed blonde in the beginning. Which nice. Is, by, Kiss Me Deadly, by the way, is an amazing movie, and we watched it for a real education noir long, long ago. One of our sister great. podcasts. Yes. And uh, it, from there, she she has just kept working. Uh, there was a point in the late 90s I think it was in 1997 or so she posed nude on the cover of Alternative Medicine Digest (laughs) (laughs) Alternative Medicine Digest yes (laughs) she she had full body paint on uh, of images of fruit (laughs) (laughs) it was it was a parody of the Demi Moore 
Vanity was it Vanity Vanity Fair? Fair, Yeah, usually the most people, oddly enough, most people pose nude. Most celebrities pose nude on the cover of Vanity Fair. It's not not the first magazine you'd think of that that would happen, but (laughs) but but it was it's certainly no alternative medicine digest. Um, she won an an Oscar for uh, best actress on Last Picture Show, and she oh, holds wow. nine Emmy awards. Nine, and I think that's still <laughs> a record for any actor or actress. She's also won an Oscar. Yeah, for Last Picture Show. Yeah. So did, did she just have an yeah? Yeah. 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 In the electronic arts award. I don't think she's one of the 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 like six people who has an EGOT. No, I don't no, she's not an EGOT holder, I don't think. But I think with Because I don't think she has a Grammy. I feel like with nine Emmys, you ought to just be able to call one of them an Emmy and one of them a a Grammy and one of them a Tony and say you've got an EGOT. Sure. Sure. Oh oh like trade oh maybe there's like a trade in system where if you've got three (laughs) Emmys you could trade them in for a Grammy. Sure, yeah. And then three more you trade them in for a Tony. Boom, she's got it. Yeah, there you go. Still got three Emmys left over. <laughs> <laughs> one more Emmy and she can shop again. Yeah, yes. one... <laughs> this is this is sounding a lot like Pokemon Go now. <laughs> uh, gotta catch them all. Yeah, yeah. So okay, uh, yeah, Cloris Leachman, awesome. So I think we should probably move on to final thoughts. We've been talking about this movie for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, Allison, thank Ooh. you so much for joining us. Do you have thank a you. final thought about Young Frankenstein? <laughs> final thought about Young Frankenstein. Um, I did enjoy it, and you know what? I think I now that I've had you know discussed it with you guys, now I think I've enjoyed it even more. <laughs> you know, you know, it's it's always interesting to discuss a film with people who are are big fans, and I think obviously it would have made a big difference for me too if I had started seeing this film when I was when I was a wee one. Yeah. Um, Instead of coming to it as, a, as an adult in 2018, <laughs> but it was it was very well done, and I am inclined to go check out those earlier films and and see you know and watch the the homage unfold. That's really intriguing, Yay. and that in itself is a success. <laughs> Ta-da! Yay! I'm so happy. Woo! Yay! <laughs> Uh, Melissa, final thought. Okay, so there's like this long, long-standing legend that the the Frau Blucher <laughs> joke was because wow. Frau Blucher in in the the legend goes that in uh, in German Blucher means glue, which is why the horse is oh, winning. But that, I wanted to know what that was. About. That is actually not the case. That, that is, is not. It, that's not. Blucher doesn't really mean anything in German. Um, the the closest we can get really is that there's one obscure theory that um, the, it's a reference to Prussian field marcher Gebhard von Blucher, who was in the <laughs> War of 1815. You're on it. <laughs> yes. Uh, who whose horse died died under him in battle or something something like. I think. It's just. It's mostly a just dumb a ridiculous game. joke. Yeah, it's in, in German, just a gag that every time somebody says Blucher, the horse is going. <laughs> Blucher is just a common name in German, so I think okay. I think it's just it, so it was just everywhere as, in Germany are just not happy. Yeah, yeah. My, my, my boyfriend. boyfriend. <laughs> 
She's awesome. just, oh my God, her running around the castle smoking cigars. I just love her so much. I really do. I want to grow up to be her. I I'm, suggest you, know, you I, put on a tie. Yeah, when I get that old. When Melissa I, is 92 years old, she'll still be recording this podcast. I will be. And I'll be. And talking about Cloris Leachman. Yes. Yes, I will. So my final thought, I, I alluded to it at the beginning, is what what is the name of this film? Because, you know, you call it Young Frankenstein, but mm-hmm. but a lot of people are like, it's Frankenstein. It's mm-hmm. Young Frankenstein. Frankenstein. And I'm like, no, I disagree. He very clearly states about three quarters of the way through the film, my name is Frankenstein. So so, so you think the, the title is actually Young Frankenstein! <laughs> yes, that's that what I think. That was beautiful to watch so. that happen in stereo. <laughs> So that's uh, that's my take on on the name of this film. So excellent. Uh, we are done with our Mel Brooks run, but we have we are going to sort of transition into something else. Following Madeline Kahn, <laughs> our next podcast we are going to watch Clue. Yeah. Uh, now before we go, before we go, so so come back for Clue. But before we go, Allison, you actually are going to be in a show. This show is going to go. This podcast is going up on November first, mm-hmm. and I believe November 9th. November 9th. You are going to be in a show that. Oddly enough, relates to what <laughs> we just watched. It's Can you amazing. tell us a little bit about that? Well, it is called The Riddle of the Mummy, and <gasps> it is a fearless comedy production show. And I will be playing Lisa Frankenstein Aha. or Frankenstein or whatever. Um, I'll but- pay you a dollar if you pronounce it Frankenstein for one of the performances. <laughs> <laughs> I'll talk to the director. Okay. We'll how it works. Um, but yes, and I too have a monster who is articulate. So excellent. Yeah, it's a little different there too. Yeah, awesome. So yeah, that uh, opens on November 9th. It is obviously in the Twin Cities, dear listeners. So mm-hmm. if you are at not at Strike Theater in Minnesota, mm-hmm. you uh, you can't go. But otherwise, go to Fearless Comedy Productions on Facebook or on the interwebs, <laughs> and you can learn more about it. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next time with Clue. <laughs> We hope you enjoyed our film fixation. We'll see you next time on A Real Education. Dee, dee, dee.